Welcome to the Three Strands Podcast. You are about to hear a session from our recent workshop on healthy sexuality entitled God's Design for Sex. We hope you enjoy it and will check out each episode from the event. For more information about 3SC, visit our website, threestrands.church. So if we left it right there, you might be really depressed. Um, This next session is actually going to it's not going to help that part a whole lot, but I did want to make one more statement wrapping up that dysfunction side. Um, so we praise God for the renewing of the mind. Science calls that neuroplasticity. It's a fact, absolute fact that your subjective self can change your objective self in your brain. So that's your thoughts, the renewing of the mind. That is very important because, guys, if you haven't caught it already, compromise is costly. And renewing neural pathways is so much harder than creating them. So much harder. It takes years, lots of hard work. So this session, we are moving into, I've I've dubbed it broken or whole. And this slide will populate and fill and look like this little poster here. Um, So time out just a little bit. Uh, Kind of, I have been plugging these workshops, the second Tuesday workshops a lot. Um, because I think it's just going to be helpful for you so you don't lose the content and you get it all in its consistency on God's design for sex, sexual development, because there's a lot there, and I've only pulled pieces here. And that is available to you free online. You'll have to register for them, but they're free workshops, okay? So there's no reason why you can't get this information and be really good at it in teaching the next generation. This content and the, the slides in this session are, there's not a lot of, uh, a lot of slides. Um, and I've, they actually say the same thing, but in a different way. Um, this one, so when we opened up this morning, we had the spirit, soul, and body, and we will, we will get there. I think I'm gonna back up one and see. I guess I can't pause it. What's dropping down here are called abuses, rules, roles, guilt, abandonment, shame, and all of the rejection. All of these, um, if you think about your family of origin or family systems, these are messages. Uh, We interpret. Remember we were talking about in the physical realm, we take in the creation through our senses and those experiences are then interpreted through the soulish realm, um, through your perception. These messages, so you've got your experiences plus your perception of your experiences equal your belief system. Now, you get this, the the mean cloud, again, is Satan. He is, Scripture tells us in Zechariah 3, uh, he was accusing Joshua before the throne. Um, and then he also, in, in Revelations 12, 10, 11, 
10 is talking about that he is 24-7 accusing you. 24-7 does not let up. He's accusing you and me. Very busy. These, I, I've had conversations with, with those strong theological backgrounds, and Satan is not like God. He's not everywhere all the time. But he likes to plant one lie, at least, early on. And I believe that that one lie starts building blocks of several others that go on top of it that create the strongholds that he hides behind in our lives. And so in this segment, Broken or Whole, this slide talks about how our family of origin unwittingly, sometimes with the best intentions maybe, or ignorance, or not talking about sexuality, or just because the way they were brought up, they pass on the patterns, the relational patterns that they grew up in. You'll do the same thing too, without an intervention of some sort. You will pass on the same defective relational skills that you picked up from your parents to your kids and those around you. That's just the way it works. And you can interrupt that. But we have this thought and this idea um, you remember the hula hoop? I had the hula hoop on, and I'm in the, in, in the fullness, in, in the perfect love of God in this hula hoop. And I end up buying the lies from the adversary or the taunting. And honestly, guys, it, this still happens in my life. I have to be on guard just like you do. Um, there's a scripture the Lord is continually brings to mind, and this one is, uh, I believe it's Matthew 26, verse 41, and it's when he's coming out of the Garden of Gethsemane to the three that are there, are supposed to be praying with him, and he's saying, keep watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he was bringing me on this because I am prone, just like you, if I don't guard, keep guard, keep on the alert, look for the weapon he's using against you, be smart about that. Look for the weapons he's using against you and be ready and pray. All of that. But this do more, try harder is me, is you, jumping out of that hula hoop of the perfect love and going, thank you, God, but hold on a minute. I'm going to go address this. I'm going to do sword fighting with the devil on my terms instead of staying in that perfect love. Easy to say at a conference, very easy to say in front of you. When the taunting's going on in my head, it's everything I have to bring the truth, and I have to use all the divinely powerful weapons of warfare to smash those things. But this slide, if I'm not mistaken, may or may not, um, we do have one that populates into this in a moment. Now I want to go back to this one. This is the familiar of the spirit, soul, and body. So what we think about God is the most important conviction that you're going to have. Everything falls from that. I have a quote on the bottom of my email that I'm probably going to just not remember completely. It's from Oswald Chambers. But it's basics I just attest to is God is working to clear his character in your mind. You have, we have assumed him to have characteristics that are not true. They're lies. And so God is working at our renewing of 
that concept of who he is and who we are in him. And also, as we seek him in the word, that we were designed for safety. He, he I, I love that. Again, to reiterate what we talked about this morning is that your nervous system is seeking safety. It's seeking safety. I mean, that's a no-brainer when you actually think about it. You go, well, duh. But when you think about it in light of creation in the garden and perfection before the fall, <laughs> the body's design didn't change. Sin came in. It's still looking for safety. It's Abba Father. So the question is, what beliefs, what opinions challenge your safety and your value? And as you minister to other people, I have—I really urge you to connect with this ministry. <laughs> I offer a lot of training on Thursdays, like the school year in the evenings. I do what I call associate study training that's weekly, doing a discussion on topics of this, mostly the videos and then the webinars for the stuff that's not on video yet. And the what challenges your value these beliefs and all that we have to be able to get good enough at them and freeze frame it in in real time and we teach what we learn what you're learning you pass on to those around you do not hesitate for a moment in fact i would even say don't wait for a good moment you just blurt it on out there because what God is teaching you, the more when you teach it to somebody else, it will reinforce it in your head. And then now you've gifted someone else with some truth. So prayer, so remember, you've got in the in the natural carnal realm, the physical body, you take in your experiences through your senses, and the perception faculty is over the soul, the mind, the, the will, and the emotions, and you are interpreting those experiences through your limbic system and your soul, and you're making the declaration of what's true right here. Now, you have a choice, and I won't really get into it in this presentation or in any I've got here, but I've got the presentation on the identity agreement, but you and I are constantly making a determination. If we agree with life as it appears to be, and it is sucky sometimes and really dark, and it's true that it's sucky and dark, but it's not truth. We have to call the truth of the kingdom into the darkness. So we got to learn how to manage that. This, this spirit side of this, I believe that what I've learned and studied, I, I've drawn here from um, the lesson, I don't know if you can see it. Can you see this little conduit here? that's going from left to right in a horizontal window. Um, that is an image for prayer. Prayer is our communication from the spirit realm to the natural, and that's what we're doing, okay? That is, as you remember, the spirit's function is to give life breath and to give us the ability, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to think of and communicate with God. Without it, we cannot. We cannot see things of the kingdom. So, I thought this was the one that was going to do that. Yeah, it does. I already mentioned the, the Matthew 26, 41, the keep watch and alert um, and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Interesting, that word temptation, you've probably heard it because I know you get good messages here. Temptation means either 
temptation, trial, or test. Interestingly enough, to connect that with the Lord's Prayer, um, again, I mentioned that I'm a word study geek. I've always had difficulty with the do not lead us into temptation, seeing how God doesn't lead us into temptation. What are you saying? And so when you pick out apart that verse, what that verse is saying, don't let us be unprepared for the test, which makes that verse from Jesus really good. He's saying, keep watch, be alert, pray so that you pass the test. It's the adversaries coming with these darts and are praying without ceasing. So the unbelief and double-mindedness, they clog the pipe. Okay? This is, if you were to think about, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the adversary is not everywhere all the time. He just needs us to agree in one spot, and then we all have to agree with that in particular subsequent scenarios. And there's the stronghold and the proud arguments that are raised up against the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Are you familiar with the dryer filter? You know, washer, dryers, dryer filters. Anybody clean the dryer filter, right? I want you to think about this line right here as your dryer filter. All the garbage of the agreements of the adversary from the family messages, wounds, abuses, insults, and all those things that are contrary to God's opinion of you. Remember, we started off with God's glory is his opinion and value, the recognition and reputation of God. And he has an opinion about you. He had, before time, had an intimate relationship with you and has a purpose for you and has an assignment for you and he'd like you to get busy to let him flow through you so he can move into this world to tell them how much he loves them through you, but he needs to get you and I to clean the filter off of the solar realm. So the doubt and unbelief clogs the pipe. There's a neglect you know, on our part to challenging distorted thoughts, those beliefs and opinions that we have. And those distorted thoughts, they reinforce that stronghold, and it sounds like this in your head, yeah, but. He's going to do it for Stephanie. Yes, he he's going to do it for David, and he's going to do it for all of y'all. But he just may not do it for me. It's the yeah, buts. The distorted beliefs and opinions that we have that have gone unchecked. They are our self-defense. They are our vindication against accusations. They are our own power to do more and try harder in this life. In the limbic system that we talked about, that's capturing all of our recordings of experiences and our agreements to, you know, is this good, bad, or indifferent? Are you safe or are you threatening? And all of those things that are happening because you're so marvelously made, you are also foretelling. Because remember, you are an anticipation machine. Your brain is an anticipation machine. It was, it was created that way. You are to anticipate something. Either you're going to anticipate goodness, 
or you're going to anticipate harm. Or you're going to have this double-mindedness of going, I don't know, I'm on the fence. You go back and forth, and back and forth. But one thing, several one things here, that you can do to start checking yourself is to check your language. Our language confirms our perceptions and our mindset. So listen to yourself and the language that you use. Is your language using agreeing with life as it appears to be? Or is it acknowledging life is dark? And it, 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 is, it is dark here. There are some, there's darkness here. But God. So we have to start checking when it comes to brokenness and wholeness. There's not one of us here, not one of us on the planet that's not broken. Okay, let's just get that right out there. And broken, even in the terms of sexuality, even if we've been pure, never even touched ourselves, never done nothing, there's still a brokenness in sexuality because our concept and our mind cannot truly conceive the glory and the holiness that God has put out there in the design of the one flesh union and why it is for the husband and wife and why it is sacred and why it's set apart. We can do our best, but even, even with what I know, I know I still am not getting it all. And what I do get is pretty good. And I'm convinced, I am convinced that if that is the highest reward for life in this experience, I am so in, because I'm single, been single for 20-something odd years, I've stopped counting. It's not about the sex anymore. It's not about if it's on the radar. I don't care. What I have found out is God is enough and he is satisfying. And that relationship of pursuing that presence, and I don't get it every day. There are times when I wrestle just like you within my head, but I'm actively, actively pursuing. What are those distorted thoughts, those beliefs and opinions that I have had about myself and how I view the world that God's going, that's not accurate. That's not accurate. I'd rather you choose your words. Let's rethink this. The weapons of our warfare are divinely powerful. Um, I keep saying this. I do have tons of workshops. <laughs> I have uh, There's videos on the website on the cycle of addiction, but there's a cycle of recovery that obviously is much better than this one. But the uh, cycle of recovery is not yet on video. But as I was putting it together, Dr. Laser, he, he uh, as Dr. Carnes created the cycle of addiction, Dr. Laser created the cycle of recovery. And um, in my work with him and them on it, uh, with the life recovery model, you know, you've got, it contrasts this completely. And then over here where you've got the ritual, you know, this is the addiction model, and you've got ritual over here. And so, and so on this cycle of recovery, you've got healthy disciplines. We're learning, instead of going down the old path that leads to the acting out, we're learning new healthy disciplines. And there are practical healthy disciplines, and there are spiritual healthy disciplines. And um, the practicals you can find out in the recovery materials and the spiritual disciplines are actually all in this word. But they're they are those weapons of warfare that are divinely powerful. And you've got to ask yourself, what are those weapons? And do I have access to those? And you do. 
those are his spirit in you, his word, prayer, all of these things that are absolutely vital for you to know firsthand, not from your pastor, love it being taught from the pulpit, but you need to have a hunger and a thirst for the word of God that you know where to go to find your piece of steak. Milk is okay when you're a brand new baby. You get your foot in and you understand that you can trust God. He is going to bring you into a love for finding out more about him and his word. But those, the divinely powerful weapons you absolutely must have to have victory against the adversary who's after you 24-7. He's, he's got our, he puts thoughts, that's not even accurate. We agree with perceptions of lack, going all the way back to the garden. Did God say? So much stuff I would like to ping off of that, but I can't. Uh, you can pick up on that. All right, so let's move into another graphic, similar but different. All right, same mean cloud in the corner, rattling his cage. Um, this is you and I in the center. Um, oh, goody, this is where I get to use my next prop. Um, so this actual graphic is one of the first that I, was, I received in um, my training um, up under LACER and all that. These are called the Circles of Dependency, and this didn't come from LACER. It came from um, Christopher Charlton. And the Circles of Dependencies are neutral functions, as you see it there. Um, this is you and I as believers. We have the fullness heart and the Trinity there, and inside it, it says, stay here. <laughs> Stay here inside this perfect love that casts out fear. And then I'm going to get to in a minute these 11 synonyms that are here. But there's relationships in this first circle. Then there's food, sex, entertainment, drugs, and alcohol. And then body image, possessions, and work. And these are just places where we go to deal with the taunting. Okay? The... Functions that are closest to the core are hardest to break in a uh, dysfunctional set because we were made for a relationship. We need food, and in, in the marital relationship, you have the coupling of the sexual intimacy. So you have those functions, but they, all of those can be distorted. I'm introducing this now, not necessarily for that, but more for the, the imagery that is here. Um, I, I want to ask you, and this is, I want your feedback on this just to get an understanding of what you think of the word codependency. When I say she was codependent or I've been codependent, what, what is codependency to you? Okay. Depending on somebody else? Anything else? I'm only okay if you're okay? It's good. That is very good. Okay, this is where I get to put my hard hat on. So I know you guys just, if nothing else, you're going to remember me as that funny speaker lady that had the orange hula hoop with the hard hat. And you probably wonder what the hard hat is about. I almost changed this, but 
changed it to have uh, to reflect, because I have two hard hats. Just, I mean, every, don't you? Doesn't everybody? Okay, I want you to notice that this hard hat has the stay here heart on it, okay? Do you see the stay here heart? I would really, if I was really right, I'd have it right here because my heart would have to be staying here in the perfect love of God. Okay, can you see it? Yeah. These little wonderful, I don't know what you call them, little placard thingies. I made this myself. Can you tell? I am very proud. And I made it over 12 years ago. Um, so, I guess my glasses are over there. Hopefully this won't mess up anything. So these are the 11 synonyms that Cloudon Townsend use for the word heart. We're going to get into this in the next session, but this visual that I'm giving you now, and you are welcome to take a picture. <laughs> Did you get it? Good, okay. All right, so right here is you in your hula hoop, your perfect love that casts out all fear, okay? And these... 11 synonyms are for the word heart. Um, if you remember heart, oh, you don't. Okay, well, mind, will, and emotions, okay? We're going to break that down in next session about what it means in the Greek and whatnot or in the definition. But these are your feelings, your thoughts, your values, your limits, your attitudes, your behaviors, your beliefs, your talents, your choices, your desires, and your love. Um, these are your boundaries. You are to guard your heart. This is Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Um, this will be brought back up when we do our reflective listening exercise at the end, because unless you do this, unless you guard your heart, unless you own your responsibilities. How many of you have had difficulty when someone says they, they're, they don't have boundaries or I need boundaries and you're going like, we understand boundaries like the personal property lines, you know, my yard and your yard, I don't mow your yard, you don't mow my yard. Of course you could if you wanted to, I'd be happy for you to do that. But typically we understand that, but when it comes to our personal boundaries, you go, I don't know really what you mean. This is gonna give you an idea. You remember the crazy lady with the orange hula hoop and the hard hat that has her 11 synonyms on it. But this is, this is my responsibility. I get to go around life taking ownership for my stuff. Now I can try to give you my stuff, and sometimes you want to take it. You can be codependent. You can take my stuff. I can try to give you my stuff, but they're mine. God tells me to guard my heart, for out of it flow the issues of life, right? So what happens in these situations that come, this is just a static picture of life, me and my hoop, the adversary's taunting over there, rattling his cage, and then something happens. Oops, not yet. Got to give you the definition then. Let me back up. Built all of that up and then let you down. I am so sorry. Here's the definition of codependency by Minneth. Minerth, Meyer, and Hemfelt. Trust me, they take their definition. Their definition is codependency is the fallacy of trying to control interior feelings by controlling people, things, and events on the outside. 
I got stuff going on inside of me. And I'm trying to control everything else outside of me. Okay? We often think it's just people in codependent relationships. I want you to think about it like this. We are codependent when we are trusting on anything. Anything. Can I say that again? Anything. Anyone other than God. When you are depending on your own willpower and your own ability to quiet the adversary's taunting. So what happens when we have this taunting? And we're in this good place because it's been a good Sunday and I went to that workshop place and that lady was really strange, you know? And, and it's been a good day. Monday's going pretty good. Tuesday's getting a little worse. You know, maybe Wednesday's bad, gummit. I'm back to real life again. And something's happening, and I'm agreeing with the taunting. Well, dad gummit. I'm really tired of having to take care of all of this stuff. I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go veg out in front of the Netflix for about three days. This is what I'm going to do. And now, maybe even, yeah, I'm going to go give me a beverage. You know what I mean? I mean, I might go even do something else. So the question is, for you and I, when we get to that place, because we're in this perfect love that casts out all fear, what lie was it? What is it that disturbs your rest? Because the Father is wanting you to stay in that rest place. What is it that got you so... I'm going to shut you up, voice. And you jumped right out of your hoop. You chunked your hat and all your responsibilities and started doing it in your own power. Every one of you got, one, got them, just like I do. This is our work in the broken or whole, is we have to be able to freeze frame those moments. Oh, wait a minute. What am I feeling? Why? About what? Is that true? Am I in danger? Am I just imagining it because I have had other experiences? There's a lot of stuff that we can train ourselves to ask good questions and to work through. Can I add something to that? Okay, so this is so important. Here's, here's the danger of what she's talking about right now. The danger is you don't know it's happening because these things have become such ingrained habits. So you don't even recognize what it actually is that's triggering you to resort to these behaviors to fulfill the thing inside of you that actually only the Lord can fill. But what you find yourself doing is like, you know, binge watching Netflix, down in 14 Mountain Dew, down in 14 Mountain Dews, you're right? Go into porn, right? Um, you know, zoning out. Go. It, it doesn't even have to be something sinful. It can just be like I go to the golf course or I go to the garage and I work on the car the rest of the night and don't talk to anybody. It can be, but you don't even realize what it is that's triggered you. So what this, you know, she's talking about is really triggers. What is it that triggers me to leave the hoop? She's calling it the hoop, right? Of, of like where God wants me to live 
the, the place of peace and total safety and security within him, what is it that triggers me that causes me to think like I'm going to leave my hoop and I'm going to choose alcohol, TV, sex, food, porn, uh, golf, basketball, whatever. I'm going to choose whatever else, a lesser God is what I call it today, but a lesser God, I'm going to choose that because that makes me feel a little better about myself or my situation. And, and so what she's talking about is like, you can train yourself to learn to identify what those triggers are. That's the fight. Like, the fight has to take place there. If you're talking with an alcoholic, if the fight takes place on the bar stool, it's over. You've already lost. The fight has to take place when my wife said something that hurts my feelings, and I respond by storming out of the house to drive to the bar. You see what I'm saying? That if the fight takes place when the door to my room is locked and I'm already on the porn website, it's over. The way of escape happens when I recognize I'm exhausted and stressed out about something that happened at work today, but I need to choose God's weapons to fight that stress instead of leaving the hoop and choosing porn. You see what I'm saying? Like, we're fighting the battle. I think a lot of people are fighting the battle. They're just fighting it at the wrong spot. They're fighting it at the end instead of learning how to fight it at the beginning because the things are such habit, you don't, even know you're, you don't even know when the beginning's happening. And that's what you have to learn. You have to learn where those triggers are. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I think the biggest thing before we move to the next one is this word right here, codependency. All right, if you slashed it right there, codependent on something other than God. Whatever it is you're going to, you are escaping an interior feeling. There's something causing the distress. Acknowledge it. If it is a... Here's what I know for a fact. As you push pause on life and you acknowledge the distress and you go deeper as to what is the origin of it and you bring that up before the Lord... He is going to help you discern, is there any truth in that? Is it a valid fear that there is a threat going on that you need to address? Or is this some agreement that you have because of historical stuff in your life? And it's at that point that he's going to equip you with the fellowship of the saints that you can ping and pong off of each other and be real and be safe in conversations and go, hey... I'm really having to check my thoughts right now. My, even my language about life has been kind of downer. I do have to acknowledge that there are some things that have had me that way, but I've got to start now speaking truth. There is... Um, I am going to insert it here. It's probably going to come up later, but I'm going to insert it here. Isaiah 54, 17. I've mentioned it earlier today. Uh, it is a familiar verse. Uh, it's where Isaiah, uh, the Lord's talking to Isaiah, and he says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Um, depending on the version that you have, every tongue that comes against you, um, you will declare wrong. Actually, it says you will condemn. But that word condemn is so powerful if you study it. It means to declare wrong. So this is what I want to share with you. Hopefully it will. Okay, that's me putting back on the armor, okay? This is me with my 
I just put my headband back up. All right, so imagine I've got my, my hard hat on and my hula hoop. I've put my armor back on, and now I am declaring the voice is wrong. Here's another slide saying kind of all of the same thing, but I'm going to kind of talk it through as, as it gets there. Um, when you are declaring the voice is wrong, it is you in that verse, not only does it say that when any the tongues come against you, you're going to declare them wrong. You will condemn them, declare them wrong. But it says right after that that the authority to declare them wrong is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord. It's yours for free. This is what you get by being a child of God. You have the authority to, and I teach my people in my groups and in my, in the, it's not going where I want it to. I probably got to catch up, but it's okay. I teach them to declare what scripture even says. Um, Jude 9, uh, that's Michael the archangel. Um, he was in an argument with the devil about where the body of Moses was. And then also in um, Zechariah 3, when Joshua is before the throne and the, Satan is accusing him, and um, the Lord says to Satan there, the Lord himself says, it's kind of odd that he says it this way, but it does, and so just use it. He says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Is this not kid mine? Who do you think you touch? And it's my kid. That's Zechariah 3. And when you go to uh, Jude 9, where Michael and, and the devil are in an argument about where the body of Moses was, was buried, Michael, and when you, you know Michael's pretty up there in the hierarchy, right? He's kind of pretty close to the top. So if he's saying something like, plus the Lord already said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And then Michael the archangel is, he didn't dare to proclaim a railing judgment against him, the devil, says to him, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Now, for me, in looking about the, the weapons of our warfare that are divinely powerful, that's a mighty good pistol in my pocket that I want to bring out, and it's, this is how it <laughs> looks to me. I just say, talk to the hand, Satan. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Those messages are going to come, and they do. And your preparation to extinguish them has to happen. You've got to be able to understand their root, because there may be wounding here that you have not yet grieved. And do you know that the Father hurts for every insult and injury that has occurred to this human being that made in his image, that something injurious that has happened to them, his heart grieves because he, before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you and he had such plans and he was going to put he, all these skills and abilities and I'm going to put them right here and then my spirit in them, they're going to go out and do all of this. And all of those insults and injuries that happen and you and I agreeing with what those messages say shrink us back from being able to walk in that perfect love to be able to go out into the world. The Father is grieved over that. And so your grieving that insult and injury is needed too. Give it the space that it needs. If people have hurt you, and they have, I'm sure, if they've disappointed you, sit before the Father, grieve it, and forgive them. 
walk in that I forgive them. I'm learning how to forgive them, Father. Help me to forgive them, Father. Help me. Every time it comes up, that 70 times 7 thing is every time it comes up in my head, I have to forgive them. Because our family, when we work on family systems, it's not to blame. Clearly, it's not to blame because there's not a perfect parent in the world, right? And so I've done things with my, to my kids that I really hate that I had done. I've confessed to them and I've apologized to them. But even with my confession and apology, the consequences of my error have affect them, affected them and their father's error as well. All right, so you have all of these things that we have to deal with. So those weapons of our warfare, particularly using your tools and using your voice. Praising is another one. You must, you must, you must. So Psalms 51.15 is, I could sing it for you. Pardon me? Five minutes? Okay. All right. <laughs> Psalms 51.15, open my lips that my mouth would declare your praise. For you don't delight in sacrifices, otherwise I would give it. But a broken spirit and a contrite heart you would not despise. I've had to turn that one into a little ditty. I've turned uh, Psalms 27:13 into a little ditty. <laughs> I could sing them for you because they're running around in my head. But that is, I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You have got to have your weapons out and ready. Even when you don't feel like it, because I'm telling you, when I have sung those, my mouth didn't feel like singing praises. But the psalm says, Open my lips that my mouth would declare your praise, oh Lord. Okay, there we go. Um, so you got to praise, you got to declare God's word, you got to know God's word, you got to use your tools. If we don't, we will end up going to something as a defense of our pain. Because what's happening is, I, I am convinced also that shame, when you look at the biblical definition of shame, it is disappointment, disillusionment, embarrassment that things did not turn out as expected. Okay? Disappointment, disillusionment, embarrassment that things did not turn out as expected. Remember, we're expectation machines. All right, anticipation machines. So what did I expect? If I am ashamed, says Adam and Eve that before the sin, you know, they were naked and they were not ashamed. Fabulous. That means they were not disappointed. Everything was absolutely as it was. I believe that inherently in us, we know we have value because that's why we get so hurt. When something happens, and we don't feel like we've got a reflection and revealing of God's glory and his opinion and value on us. Because you were made for him to go, I so love you, kid. Let me kiss your face. Kissy face. And so when the world comes up and it doesn't reflect that on you, and you're disappointed that it doesn't, and you have some disillusionment, gosh, I thought I was worth something. 
and disappointment and maybe even embarrassment, you got to go somewhere with that reality. It doesn't match up, Papa. This hurt. What do I do with that? It hurts. I really feel betrayed. I really, I don't know where I stand on this. And having that ability to go back into this perfect love and go, I need your reflection on me. What do you say? Who do you say that I am? And go get tanked up there and be alongside the body of Christ whom you can honestly confess to them, I'm having these thoughts, this is the language I'm using, this is how I perceived it, it's given me this mindset, and it's totally off, it's not the kingdom mindset, it's totally of the world, and you've got to be able to be honest with them. And then they can come alongside and say, hey, I get it. But you know what? That's not who you are. Our behaviors, do you know this, are not who we are. As a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, my behavior is not who I am. I miss it a lot, and I have to remember everything I teach you in this. I have to remember it every day as well, but it's not who I am, and the Father is teaching me as we've gone back to the scripture twice already. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you don't do well, hey, Sue, I'm not sending you to the corner, but don't get out of the hoop. Stay here. I love you. What was it that you didn't kind of get? I'll equip you. Let's move forward. I think that's a good place to stop. Yeah, hey, just want to give you two comments before we take this break. Here's the first one. You ready? What we just talked about in this session is impossible to break in your life without two things. Ready? Here they are. It's impossible to break these habits. It's impossible to stay in the hoop, right, without these two things valuing time alone with the Lord every day, okay? If you don't value time alone with him every day, you're not going to know what he says about you, right? And valuing Christian community. However that looks for you, if it's a life group, it's other Christians that you get together with and share meals with and talk honestly about, um, it's a support group, a sponsor, whatever, like, if you don't have other Christians around you that you are regularly talking out loud about your struggles and your feelings and what you're thinking about yourself in that moment, who can then repeat back to you the things that God actually says about you, and you don't value time alone with the Lord every day where he can speak back to you things he actually says about you, you will lose this fight. You will lose it. So I just want to throw that out there as like a little challenge to like value time with the Lord every day and value real Christian community around you. Not hanging out with Christians, but being honest with Christians. Like being honest all the time about how you feel, what you're struggling with, what you've done, what you don't want to do, what you feel like doing, and let them speak truth into your life too. So.